I can't eat Vegemite. <laughs> I just can't. I can't even grease my car with that. And the worst part is my kids love it. I'm like, are you sure you might? Works for a company and puts together machines. You look so puzzled right now, Debbie. I am puzzled. <laughs> he had remembered his wife and remembered his daughter and just seeing that moment, it's special. Welcome back to the People of Perth podcast, a series all about the people who live in the most isolated city on the planet. Over the course of our lives, most of us will build connections with others that we choose to hold on to. Whether it's through blood, the vows of marriage or the communities we build, we're driven to seek out others we share a bond with. There's a word for that connection and it's best shared in the words of Michael J. Fox, who I think did it quite nicely. Family is not an important thing, he said. It's everything. So this time on The People of Perth, it's all about family and how we choose to define it. I'm Carmen Braidwood and these are The People of Perth. It actually was life-changing for these children. It was amazing that these 12-year-old children actually orchestrated all that. Making a big move internationally can be a pretty stressful experience, especially if you're bringing the family along for a ride. You've heard from Debbie Stevenson in prior episodes all about her life in Angola, but what we didn't touch on then was how her kids found it. They loved it um, because they were in year seven, I think it was. They had to do a special program each class, like for the whole of year seven, where the children had to find a sustainable problem and find a sustainable solution for it. Mm. So these children were like 12 years old when they did this, but they had to research all the different problems, do presentations on them, and then decide on one that they were going to actually make a solution for. And both of my kids got to experience that. Hmm. So my son was first. He ended up, they found a group of children affected by polio. So these children weren't able to go to school because some of them couldn't, you know, they had to drag themselves on the ground and Hmm. that sort of thing. So they found medical help for them, um, transport to the clinic. Like it actually was life changing for these children um, they were able to go to school. It yeah. changed the lives of their whole families. Wow. Like it was amazing that these 12-year-old children actually orchestrated all that. And your daughter's And project? then the following year, my daughter, they found an orphanage and the children had no way of going to school. The school was too far away for them. So they built a school for them attached to the orphanage. <laughs> so they raised the money and everything and built three classrooms and supplies and, yeah, do you think that that has shaped it has who your kids are Definitely, today? definitely, yeah. Are they good people? Yeah, really good people. Are you proud of them? Very, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Do you miss them? My kids? Yeah, when yeah. they left home, is that weird? <laughs> What's it feel like? I know my mum, and I think it was a big adjustment period for my mum My daughter's mom permanently messaging me on Facebook. <laughs> you don't have time to miss them at all. <laughs> my son a little bit different. It's just yeah. like the weekly text or, you know, he, like he visits every couple of weeks. So What do they do? One has a job in admin and the other one, she's a geologist but she's not working in geology at the moment. Ah, right. That's a bit like my sister who yeah. is a lawyer, but she's never worked yeah. in law. <laughs> what is she doing at the minute? Um, works for a company and, like, puts together machines. You look so puzzled right now, Debbie. <laughs> I am puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. So I love it when um, your kids come home and tell you what they're doing. You're like, oh, got no idea. <laughs> 
During the COVID pandemic, many of us have had to change the way we work and that's meant spending a lot more time at home with our partners and family. For Paul and Chris, it meant living in each other's pockets even more than they usually do and a chance to learn more about their kids. Just realise that we get along really, really well. For most couples, being in each other's pockets 24-7, it can drive each other mental. I've become his tea lady because he works from home, so I do all the make tea all day long. And I never hear the end of it. Yeah, he doesn't. But no, we're just, I think it's just brought us closer and, you know, you learn to appreciate your partner a little bit more. Is that the secret to working with your partner? I think so, because um, the one thing COVID did uh, do for us is spend more family time yeah. together, because as you can imagine, Chile, uh, you're doing markets all the time and leading up, so last year, um, and we've got a caravan and last year that sat in the driveway for pretty much all of the, the year. Just gathering dust because we were doing markets every Saturday, every Sunday, and of course we've got our uh, our youngest is nine, and uh, you know we're dragging him to the markets every every time. And when COVID hit, and suddenly all the market bookings went bang, 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 and and we had nothing. We were we were forced to spend family time together. Now, when I say forced, you know we, we were doing the markets and everything by choice, and. And, um, you know, suddenly we, because we started off just doing Sundays and then we said, oh, we'll do Saturdays as well. So next thing you know, our weekends were just totally gone. COVID struck and, and I remember laying in bed on the first Saturday after COVID and, and we started losing our markets and uh, we're in bed and we're drinking a cup of tea and coffee and um, I felt so guilty that here it was eight o'clock on a Saturday morning and, and we're laying in bed drinking coffee and it was just this... It was, uh, it wasn't it? It was it just was funny. We both started laughing because it, it you felt so naughty sitting yeah, there doing was, nothing. I feel guilty. But the young um, Noah absolutely loved it. He was beside himself with joy that he wasn't getting dragged out of bed at six in the morning to go to markets. And what would you say you guys have learned about about your kids during this time? <laughs> Can't wait for them to move out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. Um, they are good. They're very different. Like the oldest, Emily, is 17, nearly 18. So for her, it was her world came to an end. She couldn't go to work. She couldn't go to school. She couldn't see her friends. So she was devastated. But once we got past that, um, board games, riding bikes, just doing the stuff that we don't have time to do. That families do. Yeah, <laughs> that we haven't had time with because the business for me is like seven days a week. I cook all week. We mark it all weekend. It's fair to say that our friend Jiggy Simkus has done some moving around from a childhood in Lithuania, studying in South Africa and then finally moving to Australia. He's been exposed to several different cultures and lifestyles thanks to his travels. But when kids came into the picture, he settled here in Perth and now it's his kids exposing him to some of the best things in Aussie life. Well, sort of. I can't eat Vegemite. <laughs> I just can't. I can't even grease my car with that. <laughs> and the worst part is my kids love it. I'm like, are you sure you're mine? <laughs> yeah, my three kids love Vegemite. Well, they're Australians now. Yeah, no, no, they, they're Australians. It's just I, I haven't been brought up with that. You know, there's certain things I eat that my kids are like, look at me. Like, I love radishes, just raw mm, radishes. Yum. You know, my kids can't do that. No. They're like, why? There's no Lithuanian in them. No, <laughs> no, there's no Lithuanian in, in them, sadly. Have you been back to Lithuania? I was there five years ago. Um, I'm actually got cousins coming on Thursday. Yeah? Yeah. So you keep in touch with them. Where are your parents? Uh, my mom's in Singleton. 
here in WA. Oh, cool. My brother lives just around the corner. And I've got lots of cousins back home. Uh, my dad's in, in Cape Town. He's coming in April. Fantastic. You know, we are trying to get him to move over. Oh, okay. But he's he loves the uh, peace and wow in Cape Town. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Because he's very, he's very hippie. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, enjoys that lifestyle over there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, and tell me about family life these days. Mm, family life is always entertaining with having three kids with two, three different moms. Oh, do you? Okay. Now, yeah. <laughs> that would make things interesting. You did. Tell, you seemed a bit flustered when you arrived here. Like it was pretty hard to get away from everyone's busy. Yeah, go everyone, get it, but. everyone's busy and, you know, like my one, my middle child, she, she has issues adjusting to sleep. You know, even at, even at her own house, at her mom's house. Yeah. You know, so getting her to come stay over is hard. Like I haven't. The last time I saw her besides this weekend was Christmas. Oh. It, you know, so it, it's hard, like hard to see her. And then, like my 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 boy, he doesn't when he draws family pictures, he doesn't draw her anymore because he doesn't see her. Mm. You know, which is sad. You know, it, that's kind really of, hard. You know, it's hard. But and you have obviously three relationships to manage with each of these kids' parent, the mother. Um, and look, I know that must be really hard. But at the end of the day, you've got to. You're a step parent. You should oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, and it is. It's always on my mind. And I'll tell you something on that. Um, an email that's always stayed with me. You know, we get a lot of communications to the radio shows that I work yeah. on. Um, and at, at 6PR, I got an email once, um, or I think it was a Facebook comment, and someone said, oh, I can't stand that woman on air because she always refers to her son as her stepson. Why doesn't she just call him her son? Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about it now for probably two months. I think it happened over summer, filling in, and now yeah. it's, you know, February. Um, and, I, and I was like, well, I always call him my stepson because he is my stepson. Mm. You know, he has a mother, and I don't want – I would hate it if I was a mother and someone else came along and started sort of almost erasing me from yeah. his life and saying I'm 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 his mum and you know I'm not his mum yeah. I'm a step parent to him and I I have a very large parenting role in his life but I don't want to sort of eradicate you yes. know and then that's my my point is that you're always 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 thinking about all of these other parents I have one other stakeholder of my husband and I have um my my stepson's mum yeah you guys have a lot of other stakeholders. Yes. How do you negotiate all of that? Uh, it, it is hard. Like Joe, who's my partner, and I, we we do have issues. Uh, it's obviously with uh, dealing with three other grown people who have. Yeah, they're they, still uh, in your life. They've they, got they to are. be. Yeah. You know, as as much as some of them I'd wish that didn't, I couldn't, but mm. they'll always be there. You know, it's it is hard. Um, it takes time. Takes patience. But it makes awesome comedy. <laughs> <laughs> For many of us, the decision to bring a furry friend into our lives is equal to adding a new family member. Whether it's a cute curly poodle, a bit like mine, a ragdoll cat, dwarf rabbit, whatever you're into, your pets are part of the family. And when you need to say goodbye, it can be absolutely heartbreaking. Have a listen as Ari Davis shares how he had to say goodbye to two of his beloved pets a few years back. And it's been pretty hard to move on. Two years, we're just, we're not even ready to get others. Sometimes it's when they come into your life. You know, it's not um, what's actually coming into your life. But, you know, I, I often say um, the formative years, but the formative years can, uh, you know, can apply to anything. They came into my life selfishly and personally um, as a 30-year-old, and they left when I was 46. So 30 to 46, just... That's a big chunk of time, you know, and it was for me personally and for my wife, it was like when we're supposed to start getting responsible, you know, the 
um, the, the mortgage is going well and, and things like that. And they came in and just, they stole our hearts. Unbelievable. They, and brother and sister, and they, they made it to, to almost 16, Aww. 15 years and four months and 15 years and six months. And we go, man, why did you have to go in the six month period? And on that note, um, 14th of February, uh, the anniversary of the last one. Yeah, so Valentine's Day. Well, that's a nice anniversary yeah. date, I suppose. And I'm playing, I'm playing um, a, a big gig in Perth, uh, and that's and Pat's away. It'll be the first time, obviously, only two years, first time she's been away um, on the anniversary. So it's you can tell already. I'm an I'm an extremely emotional person, yeah. and um, and I and I tell people that um, I'm just lucky that I have this music thing. Because if I didn't have this music thing, I'd probably just be crying and be in a sook all day long. Yeah, I only just got a dog and, uh, you know, she's still a puppy. She's mm. only eight months old. But I'm really nervous and scared already about that day because now I finally get how mm. connected we become to our animals. Oh, I for sure. just love her. Um, do you mind taking us through? I, I know your dog's got to beautiful ripe old age, yeah. but how did they go? Oh, they were brilliant. Um, in fact, I've I've written a song about um, the when we had to say goodbye to the to the first to Treasure, uh, nicknamed Teddy, um, and 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 people think I'm joking. I'm not. Um, I genuinely feel it's the only original that was given to me. Um, and, 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 you know, it, this isn't about beliefs or spirituality or anything, but I, I, I've got hundreds of originals and, and it's about sitting down. Sometimes it's a riff, sometimes it's a lyric. It wasn't that night we came back and, um, how do you handle the grief? Um, so we, uh, Pat just went straight to watch some funny YouTube clips. Um, I went to my room, picked up the guitar. I knew that I was going to pick up the guitar. And what often happened is when I opened the guitar case, the brother, her brother, FIFA, named after football. Yes, I'm a football fan. Um, <laughs> soccer, as they call it here, um, would lay down in the guitar case um, while I'd play some songs. And so I'm I'm struggling. You know, it's the day that we've just said goodbye. Um, and I sat there and I couldn't play any song except thoughts came into my mind. And I, and I felt like talking to her. And the words just, just came out. So I said, um, you know, I started talking like... Um, you came to us in the autumn, but you left in the twilight of your life. You came to brighten up the world. You certainly brightened up my life. Um, and daddy promises you I'm going to keep smiling until the end of this song. Um, and then I thought, that's all right. And then um, other things came up and I said, um, you know, things like uh, you lost a toe due to, due to cancer, but that didn't slow you down. Uh, you mean brother, you bit a chunk off your ear, but that didn't slow you down. We found a tumor in your brain, but for years, not even that slowed you down. And up there on Rainbow Bridge, I know you've destroyed thousands of Frisbees. And I put all of that into a beautiful song. Um, uh, interestingly, that a choir is going to learn oh, cool. with me on Tuesday. Was that a nice way to process grief? Oh, it was the, for me, it was the only way. Um, because, um, dare I say it, I, I I was smiling that night when I was able to put it on, on, on paper. Oh, smiling with my clothes soaked in tears, you know, but, uh, the, oh, there's an idea for another song. Soaked That's in tears. That's a lyric. No, yeah. But, um, it? Yeah. But it's, um, and in fact, the, 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 the line of the song is I'll keep smiling for the rest of this song because this song is only three minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. 
How did how did um, you lose Fever in the end? Um, that those two were so different, and you know, the, I'm, I I appreciate you asking this, and and I also appreciate what you just said that you you'd thought about that already. Yeah, that's I'm trying to kind of I guess prepare myself. Yeah. And I really like that your story about it is such an uplifting one, mm. and so that's why I ask. Yeah, and it's, I, I guess think yeah, it's, you know, we it's, all be, we've all been there. Exactly, and, and exactly. May be there in the future, and it, it isn't thought of and spoken about enough. Mm. And the uh, preparation can be a good thing, uh, you know, about um, one of my friends, this random segue, one of my friend's parents say, um, look, we've only got eight summers together. Okay. So they're in their late seventies and they say, we've only got eight summers together, but they say that in such a positive way that they're counting down. And they're realizing that after the seventh summer, and look, they're they're they might outlive us all, but they're going to go. They're going to celebrate it as a as as a big birthday. It's and go, like life gets more precious. Exactly. The and shorter that you right. have left, the less time you have left, and it, the same these dogs, we know they have these yeah. kind of shorter lives than it's, we do. It's, it's almost it's almost unfair, but let's just just get r- real here. That it's you know the um, um we need to to know that that's going to happen, which means you're going to cherish every day. But with FIFA and Treasure, it was very different. Um, I look at it very simply. Um, Treasure one day kind of looked at us and just kind of said, in a, in a funny, weird way, she had Cushing's disease. So that meant she was hyperventilating the whole time and just walking around. But she's always tail wagging. But she, we both swear, Pat and I were looking at her and she was looking at us going, it's been fun, but I, I've kind of had enough. Wow. And just like wagging her tail and just, uh, and then um, uh, these sad fits, you know, um, kind of like an, it looked like an epileptic fit. And so we took her to the vet and they just said, yeah, her, you know, her organs are failing. Um, and, uh, and, and so for her, it was like, oh, we, I've got to go. I've had enough. Thanks for that. And Ooh. on the table, um, I swear she was looking at us like, thank you. Thank you so much. FIFA on the other, other hand, and I'm going to try really, really hard. FIFA on the other, other hand, no. He didn't want to go. He did not want to go. He couldn't move his right leg anymore because um, uh, bone cancer had chewed it up. He did not want to go. Um, and um, in pain, like he'd walk around and all you'd hear for like the last couple of weeks. And I've got to say this. I'm sorry to do this, but um, let's get a bit real. Pet owners out there, you know it. You know someone who's had a pet. You've had a pet before and you know what pets are. Um, so bear with us. Uh, bear with Carmen and I here. But <laughs> um, for the last weeks we would just hear FIFA going, oh, oh, oh. every time he walked, every time he walked, he could, he could barely eat. And it, it seemed like he was almost eating for the sake of showing us that he wanted to still be around. Um, and FIFA was infinitely harder than treasure because we brought him to the, to the vet, even growled when he saw the, the needle. And he was often pretty good with needles. We would just hide him, hide his face. And, you know, um, he took one look at the needle and it was almost like a, don't you dare. Don't you dare! I I I want to be here for another hundred years, um, and oh, that that we were shattered. Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't go to my room that night no. to, to 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 write a song. I just stayed in my car for hours. So yeah, yeah it was yeah. just. But look, the, they what an inspiration! And I actually wrote a song about FIFA when he was about four or five years old. Yeah. So I'll always have that with me. So. There's an amazing inspiration that comes from these pets, and thank you for sharing that painful. Thanks for listening to all that. <laughs> um, no, I think it's really important to speak about, and I will. Uh, it's my kind of 
admission, you know, now that I am an animal owner, mm. I've never really had pets. I've had birds when I was mm. a kid and I had some kind of connection with those animals, of course. But um, I never used to understand when someone would come to work yeah. or maybe not come to work it's because just a their dog. dog died or right? their cat died. And I really struggled with mm. that. Um, and it was probably a bit judgmental and unfair. Um, How now old's your one it. now? How She's old? only eight months. Eight months, And wow. I'd be devastated if anything would happen to of her now, course, yeah. let alone I think it's a, it's only going to get worse. Mm. Them, or better, you know, uh, you know yeah, yeah. The, and that's it. I would never trade mm. what I have with her, of yeah, course, you know. Exactly. So thanks for the tears. <laughs> <laughs> the first funeral I ever went to was in Bali, and to see that was a celebration of life. It shifted me. We should be celebrating life. If you find it difficult to talk about death, you're not alone. I'm sure many of us would rather not talk about the end of our lives when we're in the midst of living them. But for Yvonne Fletcher, that funeral in Bali changed her stance on how she looked at death. She's now working with Seasons Funerals, not selling coffins. She's helping people reconnect through music. I work in their community group and basically I work with three professional singers who are incredible. We go into aged care. Um, from that, I've actually done my dementia, understanding dementia course with the University of Tasmania. It's a free course. And I can't take that impact. Seeing people who have got high dementia, they start singing and they know the words and they remember. It just triggers something in their brain and they get up, they dance. My most moving moment was when a man came over to his wife. He started dancing with her. She, I, his daughter was there and I said to her, look, if you've got a camera, pull it out. She started recording them. She lost it crying and walked out. I just started with them. I actually had to leave and I was crying as well because he had remembered his wife and remembered his daughter and just seeing that moment it's it's special, yeah. That's so, the thing. So many family members report about dementia, isn't it? That it's mm, too hard to go and see a person who doesn't remember you anymore. Yeah, so yeah. Music can really bring them out. Music is incredible. We've been into venues where the staff will run over to and go, "Oh my gosh, that person has been non-verbal for three months," and all of a sudden they start singing, they start tapping their feet, and just you see the staff get teary. It's just amazing. It's one of those things I really value seasons for doing what they do is to give that back. They do it for free. They offer it to venues. Um, yeah, to be involved in it is very, very special. I have to be honest, in my industry, working in talkback radio now especially, I'm a natural sceptic. And the first time I heard it, it wasn't before, it wasn't when you told me about it. I've heard about this thing that seasons mm. do. And the first time I heard about it, I thought, oh, it sounds a bit like Better Call Saul and that character, the dodgy lawyer, goes in and calls bingo in the nursing homes so he can get the gig writing everybody's wills. You know, and am I, are they just trying to sell everybody these prepaid funerals by being in their place? But it's about so much more than a branding it's exercise, so isn't more. it? Yeah. Um, look, we introduce ourselves as, look, we're Seasons Funerals. We're a part of their community division and we're, we're actually called Seasons Sing Along. And it's just, it's beautiful. We're not there... Um, there's no pitch. Yeah. yeah, you're not taking you know receipt books down and taking <laughs> people's bank details at the end of it, are you? And we wear a work shirt, and yeah. it's pretty discreet. I remember one time I did go over to someone's place, and they said just knock on her door, and I went, "Ooh, um, you're not going to think that I'm canvassing," and mm. I got really worried about this notion. It was she laughs about it now because we've done a few sing-alongs with her since. So I really sheepishly knocked on her door, and I said, "Ah." Oh, um, um, I'm doing this thing and, you know, it, you know, um, um, and she said, just come in. And then I explained it all to her, what we do. And 
She said, that sounds wonderful. I said, look, if you want to come next door to the aged care when we're singing next, you're welcome to come and have a look and see what you think. She brought five of the committee members because they were a lifestyle village. Five of the committee members came over. They loved it. They booked us. But we had this joke. She goes, yeah, I thought, you know, you're going to pull out a tape measure and start measuring. (laughs) (laughs) The coffin. (laughs) Well, see, there you go. (laughs) It wasn't just me who had that thought. Um, But I've noticed that older people joke about death a lot. Yeah, yeah. Don't they? I think some people aren't comfortable with it. I'm very comfortable with it. It is a natural part of us living. And, um, you know, the first funeral I ever went to was in Bali. And to see that was a celebration of life. I was brought up to fear death. And so just to be invited to that funeral was absolutely incredible. I went to it. It shifted me. I, I just thought, wow, you know, we should be celebrating life and, you know, enjoying those moments. Um, yeah, it's it just incredible to see that, to be part of it. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I think I would pre-plan my funeral personally yeah. based on what I've seen. Um, I think when a family's grieving, it's a whole lot worse to do mm. um, that. But when you pre-plan it yourself, you can make it into more of a celebration and more colourful and <laughs> and own the story, the yeah. narrative. That yeah, comes and they out tell the story beautifully. Yeah. Next time on the People of Perth podcast, it's the final episode in our series and we're talking about the one thing that's brought everyone on this podcast together, Perth. Whether it's a place you've known all your life. It's always a part of that community that that Perth has always had, I think. A stop along the way. First came, it was the scenery. We found just excuses to go anywhere. Or a place you've made home. We year 12. 13 years now and there's no plan to go back. We all have our own stories that tie us to this city on the swan. This podcast series is made possible thanks to interviews with the members of the Perthling Facebook group. If you'd like to be part of future Perthling projects, head to the link in this episode's description and join on in. The People of Perth podcast is produced by Bad Bard Productions and presented by me, Carmen Braidwood. I hope you'll join us next time for more stories from the world's most isolated city. Thanks for listening.